0: Welcome to Training for Womanhood, Be Fit, Be Healthy, Be Happy, where I help you go through some of the overlooked health issues that we as women go through during womanhood. Welcome to another episode of Training for Womanhood, Be Fit, Be Healthy, Be Happy. I'd like to talk to you a bit about menopause and nutrition. I know I've spoken about it before, but there are other aspects that I might not have touched on, or just some bits that I need to reaffirm. So there are kind of like five reasons menopause has an impact on sleep. I wanna talk to you about these five reasons. How can better sleep improve migraines if you do suffer with migraines? How does better sleep improve brain fog? Give a bit more clarity. How does it improve mood? And also reduce weight gain. Many women go to bed absolutely exhausted, toss and turn all night and at 4.30 at the witching hour all of a sudden wide awake, cannot sleep. Or women fall asleep very easily, wake up at 4, 4 4.30 absolutely soaked due to night sweats. It's been documented that more than 50% of women have trouble sleeping during the transition of perimenopause to menopause and postmenopause. Because of this, your days are harder because you're not getting enough sleep. You're tired, you're irritable, you can't focus, and you're hangry, which is being hungry and angry both at the same time. Experts think that the core challenge of menopause is poor, poor sleep. This poor sleep can trigger a number of other symptoms. One of these symptoms is, of course, weight gain. Once you have better sleep, you'll improve on migraines if you have migraines. You'll have less brain fog, improved mood. And once you find your maintenance weight, or I call it your happy weight, you'll have fewer aches and pains and this can mitigate the risk of further disease. As we know from previous episodes, estrogen and progesterone play a huge part in regulation of sleep. As the levels fall during perimenopause, sleep gets absolutely worse. As well as the fall in these hormones, other aspects arise such as hot flushes and night sweats. This is the process of getting extremely hot like a furnace during the night that you have to strip off the clothes, pull back the sheets and then five minutes into that you get extremely cold. It's like the north front has come down and then this is a reoccurring thing throughout the night. It's definitely not great for continued sleep. Also during the night we have an urge to go to the toilet. Again, as estrogen levels drop during perimenopause, it seems like our bladder capacity seems to kind of reduce and the tissue around it becomes more irritable. This can cause an urge to go to the toilet. Also, changes in progesterone increases urination, also resulting in frequent trips to the toilet during the night. You're up and down like a yo-yo. This, of course, will cause dehydration. Dehydration can cause many menopausal issues like digestion, body temperature regulation, tiredness and poor concentration. So drinking of at least two to three litres of water per day can mitigate this. This will also help with your joints, skin condition, hair, because it does become particularly dry. And also... The water will regulate cravings. During perimenopause, we also experience bloating. This is digestive changes. Things that you used to be able to eat in your 20s and 30s, you can't eat any longer. And they cause abdominal pain, discomfort, heartburn, gas, bloating, bowel function issues as well. Perimenopause, all the transition, can also produce sleep apnea. Again, the estrogen and progesterone levels decrease. This can develop obstructive sleep apnea and snoring as well. Breathing can stop. This is what obstructive sleep apnea is. Breathing can stop and start during the night. But if you do experience that, please check that out. Go to your GP. Women can also develop cravings more hunger and cravings during the transition. So, in fact, eating high, highly sugared meals, sweets, biscuits, during the day, the body, of course, digests this. As it digests this, the blood glucose levels increase and fall. So it spikes, then it reduces, spikes and reduces. As the body is dealing with this digestion throughout the day, during the night as well, This can disturb sleep. So falling estrogen progesterone levels lead to increased hot flashes, nighttime urination, snoring and cravings, all of which can disturb sleep. Let's not forget other factors that can disturb sleep. You might have an underlying sleep issue. It also depends on what stage of menopause you're at. Are you at perimenopause? Menopause, post-menopause, sleep disruption usually occurs within perimenopause. Are you experiencing a surgical menopause? This is associated with more sleep disturbances. And when I say a surgical menopause, maybe you've had an hysterectomy where your ovaries have been removed. This can bring on menopause, especially if this occurs in your twenties or thirties. This will be an instant menopause for you. Also lifestyle differences, genetics, chronic pain and your overall health can influence your sleep during the night. Let's see if there are some ways that you can come close to eight or nine hours of sleep every night. Nutrition is one way to help women sleep better during the night and there's some things that we can look at. First of all alcohol. Try and avoid alcohol. It makes sleep worse. It suppresses the certain areas of sleep or dreaming sleep. Alcohol affects hot flushes, which is the vasomotor regulation of the body. So it causes hot flushes. So you need to change clothes during the night. So if you can, avoid alcohol at least three to four hours before sleep. This way, you get more sleep and feel more refreshed in the morning. It may also reduce other health issues such as heart disease, cancer, or low bone density. How about taking a look at caffeine? Try skipping caffeine in the afternoon. Caffeine is a stimulant found in coffee, teas, energy drinks, and some soft drinks, okay? So personally, I'm sensitive, but I do like myself some coffee. So I'll drink at least three cups of coffee before 10 a.m. in the morning, and then that is it. I won't go near coffee again for the rest of the day. But again, it depends on the individual and how they metabolize caffeine. Caffeine usually digests in the body in about five hours. It clears the body. However, some people digest it totally different and it can be at least 12 hours or more before caffeine clears the body. Sleep quality can be improved totally by skipping afternoon and evening caffeine without a doubt. This can also reduce caffeine-induced hot flashes, headaches and pelvic pain as well, allowing women to feel better in the day. But you have to realise cutting caffeine can be as difficult as cutting alcohol, so you need to approach it mindfully. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing approach. Just cut back on the consumption or you can switch to caffeine-free versions. There's so many on the market. How about looking at meal timings as well? Eating at predictable meal times will be more likely that you allow food to digest, before going to sleep. There are those people that eat several hours before bedtime to aid better sleep. That's not me. <laughs> I try to, but that is not me. This can cut down on indigestion and blood sugar spikes. So if you go to bed about 10 o'clock, it might be best to stop eating or have your last meal at around 7pm. If this isn't achievable, then perhaps look at meal sizes. This could help. A smaller meal will increase the likelihood of finishing digestion way before your bedtime. This is if you can't eat a meal three hours before you go to bed, just try and reduce it. Smaller meals will allow you to fall asleep so much quicker, reducing the times that you wake up due to blood sugar fluctuations and blood sugar spiking. And also reducing acid reflux or bloating, which is the buildup of gas. But if you cannot eat at least three hours before you go to bed and you are a big eater, why not plan ahead and have a bigger lunch and maybe a snack before you go to bed? There are so many powerful strategies out there to help get better sleep. Not all will apply to you, some will apply to somebody else and one or two might apply to you, but it's best to experiment and to see which of these strategies fit. Food can be a very powerful tool during perimenopause and postmenopause. So it's best that we use this tool wisely so we can live our best life during these later stages of womanhood. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Training for Womanhood. Be fit, be healthy, be happy. Please stay tuned for future episodes and do please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at denice.fitness, that's D-N-Y-C-E, or via my website, denicefitness.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you and if you have questions of your own, or need advice about your health and well-being or womanhood in general, please do send them through my way and I'll respond directly and also in future episodes. This podcast has been brought to you by D-Nice Fitness and produced by the great team at the Podcast Boutique. I'm your host, Denise Campbell. Have a wonderful week. Until next time.